Thank you for joining me for another edition of the Word of God with Father Reed Henserling. Today we're going to look at Proper 9. Proper 9. Now as we look at Proper 9, for those of you that would like to know what the scriptures are to be read during the week, a complete list of the readings can be found in the description of this post. So please look in that area of the post and you will see the readings for the week. And what I do is it kind of give you an overview of the week and say some larger comments about each of the books that we are going to look at, an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, and a Gospel reading. Now, the Psalms are also included, but they're not commented upon for the sake of brevity and the sake of time. But you may want to read the Psalms also. We are in proper nine in the middle of the season, and we continue our work with and our study of 1 Samuel, the book of Acts, and Luke. Now we're going to be finishing with Luke this week and beginning with the book of Mark. We're going to see the death of Jesus and we're going to see his resurrection and his ascension into heaven at the end of Luke 24. Meanwhile, in 1 Samuel, we are picking up with our friend Saul. Now where we left Saul, the king, the first king of Israel, we found that he had disobeyed the Lord and that the Lord now was going to take the kingdom from him. In chapter 14, beginning at verse 36, we have Saul fighting against his enemies. Now, you can imagine at that time, there was lots of um, enemies around them. And remember in the book of Joshua, Joshua, Joshua's job as a successor to Moses was to go into the land and take them out so that the people of Israel can dwell in the land that God had given them. Now that didn't end with Joshua and Judges, that's for sure. It continued on in 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings. So there continued to be battles amongst uh, the Israels, the Israelites, and the nations, Ammonites, Philistines, Jebusites, etc. So that was something that was part and parcel of their everyday life together. And so it was very important that the king had skill in leading the people in terms of destroying their enemy. So in chapter 15, we have the Lord rejecting Saul. Verse 1, Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. I have noted that what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all they have. Do not spare them. This is very strong language. Do not spare any of the Malachites. And what happened is he didn't do what the Lord said. One more time. Poor Saul. In verse 10 and 11, the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he's turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and cried to the Lord all night. Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. 
and it was told Samuel. Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And what happened is not everything that Saul was asked to destroy was destroyed when he destroyed and overtook the Amalekites. Samuel said to Saul in verse 16, stop. I tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said, speak. He said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? Verse 17, chapter 15. The Lord anointed you king over Israel, set you on a mission, told you, and then he lists what he told him to do. Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on a mission when the Lord sent me. But the people took the spoil of the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. And Samuel had the famous words of chapter 15, 22 and 23, and he talks about the importance of obeying the Lord. Rebellion is the sin of divination. Presumption is his iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Now, Saul said that he had sinned, he had transgressed, he feared the people, he, avoid, he obeyed the voice of the people, pardon my sin, return to me. Nope. You're done, Saul. This is a fascinating lesson for all of us. Do what the Lord tells you. If people, persons, person, ideology, whatever tells you a different thing, do not believe them. Do what God says. Saul did what the people wanted him to do. Remember, the people didn't want God to lead them in the first place. It was a bad idea from the beginning, but God relented and anointed Saul and blessed him until Saul defied the Lord, rebelled against the Lord, and did not do what he said. And that was the end of Saul, as it were. Not immediately, but it's coming. <clears throat> In 1 Samuel 16, we have the extraordinary reading of David. And we haven't heard from David yet who is going to be the second king. And so the Lord said to Samuel that I want you to go and provide for myself a king among his sons. There is someone there that I want you to anoint that's going to be the king. Now, is this something that Samuel did? No. This is something that God is doing on his own. He is going to choose this king. So Samuel went to Bethlehem. You've heard that word before. And he did what the Lord commanded. And he had an interview, if you will, with the seven sons. And they passed before Samuel, verse 8 of chapter 16. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. These are your seven sons. 
Not none of them is, is going to be the king. So Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? You got any more sons? There remains the youngest, but behold, he is tending the sheep. Wow. The course of history has now been mightily changed. Send him and get him, Samuel said, for we will not sit down till he comes. And it was David, the youngest son in the field, divinely chosen by God. Arise, anoint him, for this is he, verse 12. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rested upon David from the, that day forward. Now Saul is still the king. And what you will find as you continue to work through Samuel, you'll find stories about Saul will continue. David is now going to be anointed and is eventually going to be the king of Israel. But there's going to be some time that's going to pass before that happens. Again, enjoy this incredible, incredible chapter and verses. Now, the 17th chapter is one of the most famous in all of literature. It's about the story of David and Goliath. Now, I don't think I need to recount that story to you, but it's certainly worth reading one more time. And it's the faith and faithfulness of David versus the ungodliness of this Philistine and how David is victorious over Goliath, as you all know, because of his faith in the Lord. And because he trusts the Lord, God slayed or slew, I guess that's the past tense, Goliath. And Goliath dies. Now, this puts David in an extraordinarily positive, powerful position because he is now seen as this amazing leader. Not only a great leader, he becomes a fantastic leader of men in terms of defeating the enemy. Tremendous courage. But, as we will see in weeks to come, David's trust in the Lord is the key. Whereas that was Saul's major problem. He did not trust in the Lord and did not turn to the Lord and did not put his faith in him in terms of obedience. So enjoy this amazing chapter, David and Goliath story and the power and the faith that David has in the Lord and the Lord's deliverance. Let's look at the book of Acts as we look at proper nine together. We are now picking up on Saul, whose now name is Paul, who meets Christ on the road to Damascus. And what's going to happen is Ananias is going to lay his hands on him. He is going to be healed. The sight is returned. He lost his sight when he met Jesus on the road. And Paul is now going to be an amazing preacher and teacher and leader of the gospel. And so we see in the closing chapter of chapter 9, we see Saul 
doing ministry. Saul in Jerusalem, Saul escaping from Damascus. Now the Jews were not happy at all what he had done. The church throughout all of Judea, chapter 9, verse 31, and Samaria and Galilee had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So we're going to see that the church is getting stronger and stronger, even in the midst of persecution and people dying for the faith. Those people are called martyrs. In chapter 9, verse 32 to 43, we have the healing of Aeneas. And Peter says to Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you, rise and make your bed. So we're going back to Paul, Peter now. Immediately he rose and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. So again, God continues to do miracles. He continues to do phenomenal things in their midst. He continues to lead and guide them through their preaching and teaching. But there's a lot of signs, miraculous signs that accompanied them. Dorcas is raised from the dead. Dorcas is raised from the dead. Peter was there. And Peter put them all outside, knelt down and prayed. Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes. She saw Peter set up. He gave her her hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. So God had done miraculous things in their midst. Now, we continue in chapter 10 with Peter and Cornelius. Now, we've seen Peter in the healing of Ananias and with Dorcas, Tabitha. And so, remember I told you that Acts is going to be mostly Saul, Pete, now Paul, and a little bit with Peter. Well, the end of chapter 9 and chapter 10 is about Peter. And we're going to see that go into chapter 11. So the rest of our week in the lectionary readings is going to focus on chapter 10 and chapter 11. Now, what's going to happen is that Peter is being used by God to preach to the Gentiles about Jesus. But Peter has lots of problems appreciating that the gospel should go to the Gentiles. So he has this incredible vision in chapter 10. Cornelius is a godly Gentile that is going to meet up with Peter. And what's going to happen as you read chapter 10 carefully and slowly is that the Gentiles are going to hear the good news that Peter shares with them. And they are going to believe unto salvation. And so God is going to do this miraculous thing with Peter and the Gentiles, the beginning of the Gentiles, with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 that is going to change the world forever and ever. Amen. So, they begin their ministry by working with the Jews. This is in chapter 9 of Acts. We also saw it in chapter 8, those of you that read chapter 8 last week. But now the gospel is going to go to the Gentiles so that the Gentiles can join the family of God. And then in chapter 11, Peter reports to them what had happened and that the word of God is also 
goes to the Gentiles. Peter also shared with them in chapter 11 the coming of the Holy Spirit and the vision that he had that changed his whole way of looking at the Lord and at faith and his obligation to follow the Lord. So, chapter 9, all about Saul and his extraordinary transformation, continued miracles and healings and teachings in the second half of 9. In chapter 10, we have the Gentiles and their salvation. So you're going to enjoy, again, uh, working through that this week. And then finally, his summary of what is going on. This is Peter's, and he shares with them, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So now the Gentiles are included, and we're going to see a tremendous amount of the book of Acts devoted to ministry to the Gentiles. Very important. All right, let's finish our work in Luke and begin in Mark. Where we left Jesus last, he had been accused of blasphemy. The people wanted him dead. Pilate didn't think he was guilty, but finally submitted, and Barabbas was given in his place. He was crucified outside the city between two thieves, and one of them asked that he be with him in paradise. And, and remember me when you come into your kingdom, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. About the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth. The sixth hour is noon and darkness until the ninth hour. Jesus died at 3 p.m. And he cries out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now what's so stunning about this is that remember, Jesus is a second member of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and was present before creation with the Father and the Spirit, is the creator of the universe, and now has just died. Took on flesh, assumed flesh, in his incarnation, Christmas Day, and now is dead. Jesus is buried. A man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea, a member of the council, a good and righteous man, looking for the kingdom of God, goes to Pilate and asks for the body. He takes the body down, puts him in a linen shroud, lays him in a tomb. It was a new tomb. And the last verse of 24 says, on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. And Jesus is dead. But the 24th chapter talks about his resurrection the road to Emmaus and is appearing before the disciples and then finally his ascension into heaven he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands he blessed them while he blessed them he parted from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy 
and they were continually at the temple praising God. So we have here his betrayer, Judas, his betrayal into the hands of the Romans. Pilate, Herod, and others, Annas, this is in John, who spoke to him. Jesus said very little, but said a few things to those guys. And was finally crucified. On the third day, it says in the, on the first day of the week, which was Sunday at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices. They were going to go and prepare spices, going to prepare, fully prepare the body. They didn't have enough time to take care of the body. So they went early Sunday morning after him dying on Friday at 3 because they had to get him down before the Sabbath began, around 6. And in order to get him to a new tomb, they just put a linen shroud around him, as I just said. Now they were going to do more work with him. But where was the stone? There was an angel there. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, verse 7, and be crucified on the third day rise. They remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all to the rest. So the rest of the chapter is about the witness of the apostles and others in Jesus' camp that witness to the reality of Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, the road to Emmaus is found only in Luke. It's a great read. I hope that you'll enjoy it. Very famous. And Jesus reveals himself through the speaking of the word and, of course, in Holy Communion together. He appears to his disciples, so there's no question from the biblical perspective that Jesus is alive. There's no question that he died. There's no question that he was buried. There's no question that he was dead. And there's no question that he rose again. Now, if all of that is true, he will have been and continues to be the only person in the history of mankind to die, to be resurrected, and not die again. Now, Jesus resurrected several people from the dead, but they died eventually. Elijah did not die. He was carried into heaven. Enoch did not die. He was carried into heaven. I'm talking about dying, being raised, and then not dying again. Only Jesus. He ascends into heaven. He tells them to wait in verse 49 for the promise of the Father, the day of Pentecost. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. I'm leaving. 40 days. I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. The book of Luke is just a fabulous, fabulous gospel. And we have looked at each of the chapters together. Now it's time to look at Mark. And so we look at Mark chapter 1 through verse 28. And Mark has a different way of presenting Christ. Each of them do. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He starts out with a prophecy in from Isaiah. And John the Baptist doing his work. Jesus is full grown. There's no incarnation. There's no prologue as in John. And no incarnation as in Matthew and Luke. He just begins his ministry. Baptized by John. 
in the Jordan and he's tempted in verse 12 by Satan. He begins his ministry in verse 14. Boom, boom, boom. Jesus is right there. And Mark presents him as a person on the move, as a person that's making things happen. And so we see in verse 21 already, and he's already called the disciples in verses 16 to 20. Now he's healing somebody with an unclean spirit. And we'll pick up with the healings next, the healings next week. So Jesus in Mark is going to be going from place to place, preaching, teaching, casting out devils, doing miracles, showing himself to be the Son of God, showing himself to be the Messiah. And so we have Matthew, we have Mark, we have Luke, we have John. And when we put them all together, we have this beautiful expose of who Jesus is. This is what's great about the lectionary because we're going to look at all four of those Gospels and read all of those scriptures. And so, what you have today for proper nine, you have Saul and David, and particularly David this week, in his heroics, his being called by God's grace to be the leader of Israel, and this amazing story with Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You have the work that Paul the Apostle is doing as he is delivered on the road to Damascus and then Peter's, God being using Peter powerfully to minister to the Gentiles. And then finally, Jesus' death and resurrection. And then we start in the middle of the week with the book of Mark, another gospel reading. So enjoy your reading, be prayerful, read them as I like to encourage you slowly. Listen to what the Lord is telling you in proper nine lectionary readings. God bless you.